Guru Nation, welcome to episode 487 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, Chris and I discuss adverse events, particularly how coordinators should document adverse events, why they're often missed, and how to prevent that from happening. So we dive deep into this topic on this particular episode. And uh, it was actually taken from our Site Owner Academy presentation. So if you're interested in uh, learning how to be a CRC, check the links in the show notes. We have the CRC Academy, we have the CRA Academy. Uh, it's good if you wanna train your staff on how to be coordinators. If you need more studies for your site, text me 949-415-6256. Uh, I also wanted to let you know in the show notes, I have a Patreon channel. We do a monthly mastermind on Zoom until we get 50 people in there. And then we're going to do twice a month for $5 a month, uh, patreon.com slash plus weekly videos on how to improve your opportunities using social media, how to create an online course of your own, how to start a podcast, just very uh, practical strategies for people out there. What is Clubhouse, etc. Text me 949-415-6256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of uh, YouTube. And also, I think this will go on the Random Musings podcast, Random Musings from the Clinical Trails Guru. So this is a presentation segment of our Site Owner Academy. So a big shout out to everybody in the Site Owner Academy, all the troopers in there. The diligent students constantly in their networking. And welcome, Chris. Thank you for hosting these slides. How are you? I'm doing well, Dan. Thank you for asking. Um, and you said another episode of YouTube. That's right. Another episode yep. of YouTube? Okay. Yeah, these do get hosted on YouTube as well. All right, perfect. Uh, matter of fact, shout out to YouTube. If you're watching, like, subscribe, comment. Um, and... This is a very important topic. It's sometimes we do philosophical topics like is consolidation good or bad for the industry. Other times we do in the dirt tactical topics, uh, and this is one of those. This is documenting adverse events for clinical research coordinators. Now, just to give you guys some background, Chris and I are site owners. We've both been study coordinators since about 2005. We've also dabbled in monitoring. So we understand both sides of the AE equation, sponsor and site side. And uh, it's important for both sides. So uh, this is for the coordinators out there, but it's also going to be helpful for CRAs or anyone else interested. So the first thing, the first thing is you got to know how to identify an AE, all right? Because this is the biggest finding I see as a CRA, Chris, and also one of the biggest, uh, back in my coordinating days when I was still learning the industry, one of the things I was most scared of, right? So when you, when you say biggest finding, do you mean the most overlooked item in research? So both. So let me give you a story. So when I was coordinating learning the ropes back in 05, 06, 07, really it was like when I was cutting my teeth in those years, uh, CRAs would often come to the site, monitor, 
and they would find AEs that I was not even aware of, right? And how do they do this? Well, they read the progress notes very thoroughly from Mm -hmm. the PI, the sub-I, or sometimes the patient reported outcomes, right? That the patients themselves report in their surveys. So the patient would complain of a headache, say, to the investigator, but you as the coordinator, they wouldn't tell you this. Right. Or the patient put nausea in their diary and you, the coordinator, you're busy, you overlook it because you don't think it's serious. And so this is happens a lot. And I see this myself as a CRA all the time. Or the CRC doesn't read the PI or investigators, sub-investigators progress note. So they're unaware of what they were complaining about to the doctor or, or whomever. I think that's a common occurrence. Right. And I think what usually happens is if the patient sees the doctor first, which oftentimes happens, uh, they might tell the doctor, Hey, you know, I've been good. I just had like a little nausea yesterday and the doctor might write it in his or her notes. So then the patient's done and the patient goes to see the coordinator and maybe the coordinator asked them, you know, have you had any AEs? And because the patient already told the doctor, maybe they're not going to tell the coordinator uh, because they assume, well, it's going to get recorded anyways. So I think that's how things fall through the cracks. The coordinators don't really have time to read the progress notes or the patient reported outcomes. And the patients don't want to tell multiple people the same thing. So that's like the logical explanation I have for it. but. I mean, it could be other things as well. So I would also just add, in case we have some relatively new CRCs watching this video. Oh, probably most of the people watching. So Shout out to not, you guys. Shameless plug CRC Academy. It's been a while since I've been a CRC. I just remember you did not, you would not ask the patient, have you had any adverse events? There's, I can't remember how it's structured your question, but it shouldn't be leading, right? Right, right. Um, but, uh, usually I ask like open-ended questions, like have you been feeling, uh, how right. have you been feeling the last week since our last visit? Right, right. You don't want to be leading the patient. Right. Now, now, oftentimes you'll be dealing with a patient that doesn't, that isn't, um, maybe they're mentally ill, so they don't really understand what you're asking of them. And if they, if they're not understanding, then you can kind of lead them a little bit. You know, have you had any headaches or anything like that since we last saw you? Mm-hmm. But initially you want it to be very open-ended. You don't want it to be leading at all. And that's, that's for more of the healthy, normal people. I I guess. Yeah. So whatever the study is, you know, I've seen this from oncology all the way down to simple observation studies. AEs get missed a lot. And it's a finding when CRAs come because they then if they find enough AEs that are not documented, they're going to start wondering what other things are not documented. So they're going to and if the FDA finds this. You know, that's a that's a pretty bad finding from the FDA's perspective. The site's not documenting properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is an AE? You want to explain, Chris, that first bullet? So uh, let's see. An adverse event is any unexpected medical event that relates to a patient in a clinical trial, which does not necessarily have a ca- uh, causal relationship with experimental treatment. So essentially, an AE is, once a patient signed the informed consent, 
if they experience anything that is not essentially healthy um, and is not part of medical history, then it's an AE. And what I mean by that is, let's say the patient complains of insomnia. That's an ongoing uh, problem for this patient uh, on entry into the, the study. So if they are saying they're still experiencing insomnia, that's not an AE because that's part of their medical history. However, if the insomnia has worsened, now it's an AE. So you have to differentiate, right? So if it's something to do with medical history, if it hasn't worsened, it's just continuing on about the same level, whatever it might be, asthma, diabetes, whatever the case is. If it hasn't worsened, then it's not an AE. But if it has worsened, now it's become an AE. Or if it's not part of medical history, anything that the patient complains of is an AE. Upset stomach, headache, whatever it might be, that's an AE. So anything that's not normal mm-hmm. for, the, for this patient is an AE yep. once, once they've signed consent. I think that's a good explanation. And uh, each site must have a way to document AEs, usually in a log. Um, but ultimately it ends up in the EDC. And that's another thing is CRAs are looking at the EDC. So, because remember the EDC is the data that gets sent to the FDA. The FDA will never see a site source unless they audit that site. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind too. Maybe in a roundabout way, they see the site source because they see it through the EDC, right? So, which is a, a capture of the source. Um, right. Yeah. But, but the actual source, right, the original source, they'll never see unless they audit. Right. Don't confuse people. Remember, 80% research naive. So true. 100% true. of them are scratching their heads now. <laughs> so if you have a question about that, email chris at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Well, let's prevent those emails. Um, <laughs> the the site FDA does to... not see site source unless they audit the site. The right. FDA You're... sees EDC which is a derivative of the site source. Exactly. Thank you. Now, I, now you've eliminated all the emails I was going to get. Thank you. Right. Please don't email Chris. Uh, and then AEs don't need to seem related to the study drug and don't need to seem severe to be recorded. And Chris, Chris touched up on this, gave you a very good explanation. I mean, it's not your job as a coordinator. You're not a doctor to determine, well, this headache's not due to the drug, so I'm not going to report it. That's not your job. It's not even the doctor's job to do that. It's your doc. You're capturing the data. That's all you're doing well, in research. Well, well the doctor does because in, in most AE logs, it does say give a section for the doctor to give their opinion on if it's related to the drug or not. So correct, they do make correct. that evaluation. Correct, but the the habit I'm seeing is sites are assuming that, okay, it's not related, so I'm just not going to put it nope. in the Air, ADC. Any, in the abnormal, any abnormal event needs to be reported. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I think we have a few more slides. Uh, and then we are good to go for this episode, guys. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you. Make sure you review it. If you want to see the slides, just go to YouTube. Okay, but um, this is we're, we're doing our best to uh, paint a picture of the slides so that you can imagine being here and watching it. All right. Uh, so, so we're on to the next slide. Know how to identify an AE. Yes. Know how to identify one. When do they start? They start as soon as the informed consent is signed. Matter of fact, if the patient signs the consent form and breaks their finger while signing it, 
that's an A. Yeah, okay. it depends. Do they get through the signature or not? Yeah, they get through it. They get <laughs> okay. Through it. And break it right <laughs> after. Yeah, that's an A. Right after the last dot uh, behind their initials, they break their finger. That's an A. Okay. Um, if they're uh, chewing on gum and they choke on the gum and then get a GI issues, that's an AE, right? So AEs start as soon as the consent form is signed, not when the drug is started, when the consent form is signed. Very important. Um, if here's, a, here's something that's important to you for the newbies to understand and maybe a good, re, a good reminder for the, those more seasoned of us, all right? If a medical condition is part of medical history and becomes exacerbated, okay, it may have exacerbated and should be reported as an AE. Now, there is a gray area here, and this is where, as a coordinator, I defer to the PI. So we see this a lot with hypertension, like patients that are, they have a, in their medical history, they have hypertension. And in their condomeds, they're actually taking a medication for it. Well, patients are humans, and they're not always compliant with their meds. So what may happen, the patient hasn't taken their meds, their hypertension meds, for like three days. And then they come into the clinic, and now their blood pressure is elevated. So you, like as a coordinator or a CRA, you've got to talk to the PI and the patient and say, look, uh, this is part of medical history. Uh, but the patient, either they're not taking the meds or they need to increase dose. Which one is it? And you so, have to get to the bottom of it. So I just want to clarify something you just said. So you said the CRA or the coordinator needs to talk to the patient. The CRA would never talk to the patient. Right, right. CRA talks to the PI. Sorry. Right. Because usually these things are found by the CRAs. And so... Because I've seen, I've found this myself as a CRA many times. So I see, okay, elevated blood pressure, but it is part of medical history, but it's still elevated. It's not a normal reading. So either they're not being compliant with their meds yeah. or their meds are not substantial enough and they need to increase. So as a CRA, I always talk to the PI about this so that they're aware. As a coordinator, I would do the same thing. I would talk to the PI and I would talk to the patient try to get to the bottom of it. If they have been compliant on their hypertension meds, then this would be an AE because this would be an exacerbation of their hypertension. If they haven't been compliant on their meds, uh, then it would just be part of medical history, but you have to document exactly what happened in progress notes. And, and that's the great example, and that would be true for any condition. So let's the same thing in insomnia. Say the patient takes Benadryl every night to go to sleep. And yeah. they, they don't take it, right? So yes, basically the same formula here, hypertension, insomnia, whatever the case might be. You just need to kind of be a investigator, right? Yep, yep. Uh, next bullet point, sometimes patients tell PI about an AE. So this is what we discussed already. And then the PI progress notes. Coordinator, just get in the habit of reading the PI progress notes. Don't just file it. And let the CRA read it because then they'll discover it and not you. And then that's just not a good thing. Uh, once an AE is identified, the coordinator should document accordingly and follow up. So like in our example with the hypertension earlier, 
no matter what the issue is, an auditor is going to see this is abnormal hypertension. So you need to have documentation of why in your progress notes somewhere, even if it's a note to file. Uh, so next slide, please. I think this is the last one. I don't know if it's the last one. I think we uh, have one more. One more after okay, this. Okay, one more after this. Okay. So good, right on time. So always document AEs. Okay. Every study is going to have adverse events. I would go as far as to say every patient, if the study is long enough, meaning four to eight weeks or longer, will have an adverse event. Okay. I always tell my new coordinators to always document AEs. I had, I have AE almost every day, you know, personally, like a headache, fatigue, uh, nausea, whatever the case may be. So if I were in a study, I'd be having AEs. Right. So it's a matter of communication between the patient and the coordinator. And like Chris said earlier, you don't want to lead them into saying they had AEs that they didn't actually have, but you do want them to report it either on their patient reported outcomes, in which case you've got to pay attention to that, or at least just communicate what AEs they've had. Mm -hmm. uh, and sponsors track this. We're in the era of big data. Sponsors track AEs at sites. So if the sponsor feels that your rate is too low or too high, based on the average across all the sites and all the patients, you may get audited because you're an outlier, right? You don't want to be an outlier. Oh, yeah. We've heard of stories. I don't think I've ever personally experienced one where, oh, no, that's not true. We have. Remember, we audited that Alzheimer's study, in mm -hmm. which, which there was absolutely no reported AEs uh, for any of the <laughs> subjects. For any, There was no reported AEs for a long-term study, meaning... I think it was nine months or longer even for an elderly population. And there was you know, no, this, none. This, Zero AEs. Oh, very, yeah. Rather odd. Very unusual. Yes. Rather odd to quote a former CRA of mine. Exactly. Rather odd. Uh, <laughs> no such thing as over-reporting if it's accurate. Right. And for example, and I use the one of breaking the finger after signing the ICF, but if a patient falls and gets a scratch, there may be a total of three AEs. If something like a disorientation caused the fall, um, so just you know, this is where the PI needs to come in play and maintain some oversight as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is the final slide, and it's. Perfect segue, what I just said. Make sure the PI assesses. Okay, there are several factors that the PI must take into consideration whenever an AE occurs. This is why PI oversight is important, right? The severity and relationship to the study drug as determined by the PI and only the PI must be documented. The PI is ultimately responsible for following the progress of each adverse event. I'm going to guess there's one more slide. This illustrates the PI oversight. Um, yeah, let's see if there's another slide. There we go. <laughs> okay, so one of the things the PI has to do is educate patients. And coordinators can do their fair share of this as well. One of the things that coordinators can do to help report AEs is to teach patients what AEs are 
So just like Chris explained earlier, I think that's a good way to communicate it even to a patient. Uh, and then how they can communicate it to the site. Those diaries are, if there are diaries, are where they're usually reported, if not verbally to the site as well. Uh, explain to the patients that they should report events that do not occur during scheduled visits. So sometimes patients think when the coordinator is asking them, have you been feeling okay, that they're referring to just that day. And it's not. It's referring to since your previous visit. Um, patients should be aware that some events may seem minor, but may actually lead to bigger problems at a later time. So this is where it's important to remind your patients that, hey, you are in an experimental study, right? And um, we need to know all this data. It might be considered excessive prying, but we need to know because that's how we're going to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. and I think that's it so that, thank that you guys it. very much for watching and listening let us know what you think of this and as always if you have questions just text me 949-415-6256 thank you Chris and thank you everybody else and we'll catch y'all later <laughs>